Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So yeah, we're starting a brand new um, series called Beautiful Attitudes today. And uh, have you ever had a situation where almost like maybe an attitude you were carrying or something or a habit that you do and get involved with, you've had a mirror that's put straight to your face. face. You look yourself in the mirror and you can't, help, you can't look away because the mirror's there. And you've come face to face with the attitude that you've been carrying, good or bad, and you think, oh goodness, that's really me. Anyone been like that before? Okay. I'm sure we all have in different situations. Um, for... S- Many of you won't know this, but the last sort of year and a half, Leanne and myself have been a part of a, a discipleship uh, group with the AOG, which is the Fellowship of Churches to which we belong, and uh, under John Partington. So we've been meeting sort of once a month, once every two months. It's all finished now. And we were all looking forward to last May, because last May was going to be a highlight of the course, where we were all going to go to Crete. All, it was all paid for, all being flown to Crete for three days in the sun, three days of teaching and, and fellowship together. So as you can imagine, Leanne and I were really, really excited. The babysitter was all, well, my parents were all set to come and look, up, <laughs> look after the kids. And uh, it was brilliant. Really, really good. So looking forward to that, excited. Three days away without the children and with some great time with great friends. And uh, that was May. Leading up to that, one of my challenges in life is I try and pack out my diary. I try and pack out my time. Um, I often overdo it. I put too much in. And uh, so, literally, we were flying out on the Tuesday. Everything was booked. We were flying from Manchester. So we had to travel in the car from Coventry to Manchester, park the car, get in the bus, go to the... etc. Now, Leanne and I haven't done... We've, um, we've never... We've, we've always, when we've flown, we've always um, packed in our luggage into the hold. We've never flown with hand luggage only. So this was our first time. We haven't flown for probably about three, three years. So... Time came, it was Monday, I was busy here, I was doing stuff for church and, and various things. And then Tuesday morning, I had a plan in my head. I thought, well, to allow plenty of time, we'll leave by this time. Um, if that falls short, the very latest we can leave is that time. Anyway, I got involved with different things, as you do when you go away. You try and sort different things out. And it got to the point where literally we were leaving on the last time we could leave. And I'll be honest... Inside of me, I was a little bit nervous, thinking, I'm sure it's going to be okay. Liam, she sort of wears more of her emotion on her sleeve. Dave! <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. At this time, it was just a little bit, we'll be fine, love. We'll be fine. Um, so we, we, I even, <laughs> I even said to Liam, should we stop off on the way? No, 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 let's just get there. Okay. So we got there. And it was, there was no traffic, which was great. So it was okay. It was still quite fine. Okay. Got to Manchester Airport. Um, couldn't see anyone that was traveling with us. There's quite a few traveling together on the same flight. Um, so we, we were standing in this queue and then realized actually it was probably the wrong queue. So we moved to another queue. Suddenly time is ticking. They do say to arrive, allow plenty of time, two hours. And I thought that was literally for when you're flying and putting luggage in the hold. I didn't realize it's for hand luggage as well. Got there, man, it, the, the airport was full of people. I thought, goodness me, 
was the first time I started to seriously wonder, are we going to do this? Um, it got to the point we, we, we joined the queue, then security was manic, absolutely manic. Now, I followed all the rules of security. I had uh, all my, um, you have, you have to, when you're traveling with security, you have to have all your, I know, your, your deodorants and stuff in, in clear plastic containers, don't you? And you're allowed so many. So I was busy reading all the signs going into security because we had time. In the inside, I was panicking. I was thinking, goodness, are we going to do this? I had a phone call from John's PA saying, we're on the plane, Dave. We're on the plane. Where are you? I says, we're in security. We should be about five minutes. Okay, do your best. Got, I got through security. Then Leanne, she starts to go through security. And do you know one of those times when you meet someone, maybe in a shop, and that person, that shop assistant's got all the time in the world? When you're on a time clock, and that person's got all the time in the world. And Leanne, um, they literally unpacked all her bag because she literally hadn't patched, packed everything right. So literally they got all of her personal stuff, they put it into different, th- different containers. They had to, she had to give some of her stuff away because she was carrying too much perfume and all that stuff. And I was thinking, Leanne, hurry up, hurry up. And she eventually got through. She was really stressed. I was, I was stressed. And I thought it was just going to be around the corner. And it wasn't. It was literally there. We had to go around the corner. We were literally running through the shops, down the escalators and everything. And eventually we found our, our terminal. And we were lugging it down the, um, down the, the escalator. And we saw two of the, uh, the, the stewardesses um, host, on, on the, waiting for us. And they looked at us and they went... We missed the flight by literally two minutes. I got a text saying, Dave, we held it on as long as we could, but we couldn't do it. And so obviously, you start the blame game, don't you? In all fairness, I wasn't really going to blame Leanne. The security thing, well, yeah, she should have packed properly, but to be honest, if she had more time, she'd have more time to go through security and sort it out. So my name was Mud. Um, we had a bit of a domestic. That domestic probably lasted about an hour. We probably didn't speak to each other for an hour. Leanne had to get some space, and I was there thinking, what are we going to do? So straight away, I was on my phone thinking, like, what flights can we get to get out of here? Remember, this is all paid for. It was on, a, on an easy jet, so it was probably quite a cheap flight. And the only thing that was getting, we only had three days away. So we, we, that was Tuesday. We come back on Thursday evening. So I thought, there's one that, that was in London. <laughs> At a, the next day, there was one that was coming out the same airport and was going to cost us six hundred and fifty pounds. Anyway, after Leanne came back and we sort of sorted it out, you know, we've sort of made a decision. What, what's the what's the wise thing to do? What's the right thing to do? <laughs> and we decided we needed to phone John and say, "Sorry, we're late. Sorry, we missed the flight. Um, we're coming." And I dipped into my wallet brought out my card and reluctantly paid £650 for the next flight out because it was the right thing to do. And then the next rest of the day was a chance for us to talk it through. Once the emotion had died down, once my name wasn't quite as muddy, to put it through it. And it was like a mirror was in front of me because it was realised, Dave, you can't be the same. You've got to try and do things to where well, you're not packing out your day so much 
and especially on days when we're going on on holiday or or trips, you can't do everything in the morning. You've got to just change. And it was like a mirror in front of me, and I realised I felt really bad. I felt embarrassed. Embarrassed, thinking we're going to fly over to Crete and we're probably going to land there for breakfast, and everyone's going to go, Wee! you know. And uh, but it was like a mirror in front of us. And um, and the great thing, the amazing thing was, I mean, this is isn't part of the story, but basically the next, as we landed there, the first meeting, John says, you know, there was a mistake made, but we you know what we're going to do. We're going to take up an offering towards their, the flight of their trip. And do you know what? In the end, the offering they gave us, we only had to pay £150 for the flight. Wasn't that amazing? That was amazing. That was just the generosity of, the, of our friends there. And, you know, but there were some big lessons learned. But we all go through things, don't we, where we have to learn lessons. Sometimes the hard way. £650. We learn lessons. And uh, often these lessons are to do with the attitudes that we carry. Attitudes, oh, I can just do this, I can just do that. Maybe you're an individual here today, and, and maybe you're one of these individuals that you're never wrong. Everyone else is wrong, but it's never you. Maybe you're an individual here and you think, well, you know, I'm not very good. Maybe you downplay yourself. Your attitude towards yourself is, is not very good. Jesus said, um, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, how can you love other people? Maybe you're married or about to get married and you're thinking, goodness me, I really want to change this part of my life, but I'm struggling because I, I want to have a happy marriage. I want my partners to be happy. Maybe you're in the workplace and in the workplace, maybe you put on a front of strength that you're good, you've got it all together, but deep down you feel insecure. Maybe you think everyone around you is better at their job than you. There's different things, different attitudes that we carry in life that we need to deal with, we need to look at face to face. And uh, just to help us with this, we're looking at this first attitude called poor in spirit. We're going to come on to that in a second. But um, Charles Swindle, a well-known Christian author, said this. He said, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitudes towards life. The longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. Sometimes we think, I wish I could do this, I wish I could have this. But given our life, given our attitude, how are we going to respond to it? Really true words there by Charles. And the one on Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says, you know, as we think, so we are, or so we become. And the good thing about this, this message series, Beautiful Attitudes, is I'm particularly talking to those of us that are say, would say we're Christians, that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And whether we're here today or listening on podcasts, this is going to be deeply challenging over the next seven weeks. It's going to challenge us. Who likes to be challenged? And when we're challenged, we've got one of two options. We either stay the same, or we take it on board like in a mirror, and we think, okay, what do I need to change? And if you're not here today and you're not yet a Christian, then just... You've got an opportunity here seeing what Christians believe and how they can be challenged. And maybe some stuff in here will apply to your life and it can help you too. A definition of an attitude is this. It's a mode of believing that results in a manner of behaving. A mode of believing that results in a manner of behaving. So belief 
directly affects our behaviour. What you and I believe will affect what we do. It's true, isn't it? Or put another way, what I believe affects how I behave and what I will become. So if you want to change how your life is becoming, then you've got to change what you believe and your belief will affect your behaviour. And it's got this whole life cycle, a cycle of an attitude. Our attitudes always start with a single thought. And it's a bit like what Peter was saying earlier about um, a cow will, will chew the cud slowly. And they, there's our, there are good thoughts, there are bad thoughts, and there are just crazy thoughts. Anyone ever have a daydreaming crazy thought? And, but some of the thoughts, if we think about them, Maybe it could be a thought about temptation, or maybe it could be a thought about something negative about yourself. And as we maybe think about that thought, it then becomes a meditated thought. The thing is, when we first think something, we've got the opportunity there and then to not think about it if it's no good for us. The problem is, if we're honest, a lot of us start to meditate on those thoughts. And those meditated thoughts then become a decision. It could be a decision about, maybe, I'm no good at that. Therefore, I will never do that. I will never have a go at that. Meditative thought leads to decisions for either action or inaction. And as we perform things or do things, let's say they're good or bad, they become continued action. And of course, continued action over a period of time becomes a habit. And habits are good, habits can be bad. But continued action over a period of time becomes a habit. And that habit, therefore, then leads to an attitude. A form of attitudinous. An attitude which what we believe will determine how we behave and eventually what we become. John Maxwell said, Attitudes are the librarian of our past, the speaker of our present, and the prophet of our future. And maybe you've got some attitudes today in your life that you think, I wish I could change that. Well, the good news is, you can. You and I, we can change. It's a lie to think we can never change. It's a lie to think, I hate that expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Because no matter what stage of life we're at, we can change. I think about Terry, my father-in-law. And he's changed in the course of about a year. He changed. His attitude's amazing. And Chris Spicer, a Bible teacher, said this, to break the habit of a lifetime is possible. That mindset that refuses to move beyond the well-worn tracks of old thinking can be changed by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And if you really want to change a habit, Christian here today, You can't just do it by yourself. This is not a self-help, self-taught class. You and I need Jesus, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us to change deep-rooted attitudes that we carry. Attitudes that might stem from years ago and have come settled in us. We need God's help, and God can really help you and I to change our attitudes, which eventually change our actions and what we're becoming. So this is, this is really important stuff. And I'm so cl- pleased that the Bible's got a lot to tell us about our attitudes. I've got this thought for us today. Dependence 
and interdependence will alter your attitude and change your character. Dependence and interdependence will alter your attitude and change your character. We're going to unpack that a little bit through what Jesus said in a minute. But in, if you've got your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen there. We're going to be look, reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. But I want to give you a bit of context to read this. Then we're going to read this, if you're up for it, all out loud together. Jesus was a radical. He was a radical. He spent 30 years of his life preparing for literally three years of ministry where he was going to turn the world upside down. And if you like, he'd... The, time, the timing of this message was he'd just been baptized. He'd gone into the wilderness for 40 days where he fasted, he went without food, and he was tempted. And he comes back, as the Bible says, full of the Holy Spirit. And then he, he starts to call some disciples to gather around him. He then starts to go on a, a, a sort of um, trips taught teaching people. And this is one of his first recorded sermons called the Sermon of the Mount. If you like, it's also badged a manifesto of the kingdom. And last year we went through this, the Sermon on the Mount. And these first 12 verses are called the Beatitudes. And they come before, they're part of the Sermon on the Mount, but they come before the main passage. And it's, it's amazing, amazing teaching. But you and I can't read these without being changed. Because why are they called Beatitudes? Beatitudes, if you like, they're called how-to-be attitudes. They're about how, as Christians, you and I have to be. What attitudes do we need to think about and carry, and therefore affect who we're becoming and what we're becoming? Or, to coin a phrase, they're beautiful attitudes. And it's not a pick and mix. These are attitudes that, as Christians, as people with a relationship with Jesus Christ, We've got to, with God's help, carry these attitudes in every part of our life. We can't think, well, I like that one. The persecution, ooh. I like thirsting, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, but meekness, teachability, I'm not sure about that. It's not a pick and choose. It's everything. It's all or nothing. And Jesus challenged them 2,000 years ago, and he challenges you and I today to not stay the same, but to allow through the Holy Spirit's power at work in our lives to change how we're thinking, what we're thinking about. And he's radical. And do you know what? Christianity is not for perfect people. It's not for people that have got it all together and they just want to wear Christianity as a... a, a, a Add on extra to their life, their already perfect life. Do you know why? Because deep down, none of us are per- perfect. And honestly, deep down, all of us are broken in different areas. You may not feel broken. Well, I'm not broken. Look at maybe that person over there. They are, they're obviously broken. But in your life and in my life, there's areas where we haven't got it all together. Areas where maybe those closest to you really know. Areas in my life that just rise to the surface from time to time and think, yeah, Leanne knows. <laughs> God wants to change your and my life. So let's read these beautiful attitudes, the beatitudes together. 
Um, starting with verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... So imagine, he's, he's gone away from the crowds. He's got his, his key disciples together. He wants a bit of breathing space. So he's teaching his key disciples. And he's taken the place of a rabbi. He's seated down, having authority. And he says these eight amazing attitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Come on, louder. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I'll read that for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, ouch, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amazing, wow. And there's eight beatitudes, eight beautiful attitudes that you and I can think about. We're looking at one today. The first four affect our relationship with God. And the second four affect our relationship with other people. And we're looking today at blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember this, this key point. Dependence and interdependence will alter your attitude and change your character. So what does that mean? To the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And all these attitudes, they have an attitude, such as poor in spirit, and there's an outcome. And for all of them, Jesus says, blessed. What does that mean? Macarius, it means happy, fortunate, to be envied. It goes beyond happiness by circumstances, because how can you be happy if certain bad things are happening to you? blessed. You are blessed. I am blessed when we have the attitude of the first part because the second will be the outcome. You and I will be blessed when we are poor in spirit. In Luke chapter 6, there's, a, there's an amplification of this called the Sermon on the Plain. And he, Luke talks about blessed are the poor. But Jesus is not talking here about money. He's not talking about you're blessed when you're poor, when you haven't got any money. It's more than that, because sometimes we don't have money, sometimes we can have money. Wealth can bring us into uh, difficult situations, but he's not talking about money. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to sing. I'm tempted to, but I won't. Frank Sinatra sang, I did it my way. I quite like that song. I did it my way. But that, that, that lyric of that song by itself is so, it, 
it sounds so selfish. I did it my way. I did it my way. And I'm not going to actually put your hands up, but men, how many of you, that when, if only you did it your way, you knew it would, ha- it would work out correct? Because us men can be proud, can't we? And the thing about the, the gospel, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's about no longer doing it our way. Because the Bible says that be- because of our sinful state, doing things that are wrong, we deserve a punishment. But the good news is, Jesus died so that we don't have to have that punishment, that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's amazing. But it means we have to turn from doing it my way. Blessed are the poor in spirit means, God, I can't do this my way. I can't do this by my own skill, strength, because my best isn't good enough. And maybe you, you're sitting here or listening on podcasts and you've, you've tried things your way again and again and again in relationships, in, in, in circumstances. You try, you try, you try. Maybe God's saying, stop trying. Allow me to do something in and through you. No longer do it your way, but do it another way. The poor in spirit, to change your attitude, you must understand that the only way up is down. The kingdom of God is topsy-turvy. The kingdom of God is counter-cultural. It goes against the flow of what you and I face every single day. It's, it's the opposite. The only way up is down. Jesus, before he died, he washed his disciples' feet. He served, didn't he? Amazing. The only way up is down. And up is, God, I want to make, have a successful life. I want my life to count for something. Then it means down. It means humble yourself. Humble isn't being weak. It's just saying, God, come on. Show me how to do this life. and Show me how to make my life successful for your glory. That's what humility is about. It's not about being weak. And sometimes us men, we can see this, hear this, this word humility and think, I don't want to know, be hum- humble because it's about weakness. It's not about weakness. It's about doing things God's way. And you can be strong in that. The only way up is down. To make your life successful, we've got to humble ourselves. Say, God... Would you help me to make my life count? And here we have, you need to understand the importance of dependence and interdependence. And humility is basically saying, God, I want to turn, around, turn my life away from a life of independence. I can do it my way. Do you know what? I've done that for years. I can do it my way. Even as a Christian, I can do that. But God wants me to humble myself as he shows me over different areas of my life. Dave, you, you, I know you can do that, but just humble yourself there. Listen to me. Allow me to show you a better way there. That's dependence. That's saying, God, I need you. And that's man and woman, mankind's greatest need. 
What caused sins come in the world was that spirit of independence, that attitude of independence. I can do it my way, rather than emptying ourselves of our, what we can do and say, God, I need you. I need you. Church, I need God. Church, you need God. The importance of dependence. And the second one is the importance of interdependence. Because some people think, I don't need to attend a church service. I can be church at home. But God has called us to be in community. Why? Because there's different gifts, different personalities, that when the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is, is, beyond, is bigger than a, a single church, the kingdom of God is, is forcefully advancing. But when Christians come together, they can knock off. Sometimes people think, I don't want to go to church because um, someone winds me up. Have you ever been wound up by someone? Have you ever been offended by anyone? Well, I have. <laughs> Welcome to the I've been offended club. But, you know, when we're offended and you wind us up, do you know what? It's part of our own good because God can use that to help us to become more humble and more dependent on God. And also in families, there's people can help us. In the community, people can help us. Help us to be the best Dave that I can be. Someone cares for you, they want the best for you and for me. And that takes an interdependence. Going away from your independence, moving to a dependence upon God, and an interdependence of relying on each other to be the best that we can be in life. Amen? Dependence and interdependence will alter your attitude and change your character. So how can you and I, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How can you and I rely more on God? I think the first thing we can do is pray. Maybe we're not used to praying. Maybe we feel when we're together we pray out loud, it's a bit awkward. But prayer, prayer is just chatting to God. Terry, Leanne's father-in-law, says he's a baby Christian, but you know he was just in bed the other day, and he's not, he's not said lots of prayers. But he was just saying, thank you God for my wife, thank you God for uh, my family, thank you God. It was just heart. He didn't have all the language to, dear God, our Father who art in heaven, None of that. It was just from the heart to the Father's heart. Honesty, reality, dependability. We can pray. You can pray. Let's be a church, a group of people that know what it is to pray. Tomorrow morning, today, if you're driving your car to work or you're walking, you can, you can pray. Call them text message prayers. Pray. Some of you can pray for hours at an end. And we need those prayer warriors that can get on their knees and pray and storm heaven. And things change. And some of you, to pray for five minutes or two minutes is all that you can do. That is brilliant, because God loves that. Because prayer isn't a religious duty, it's chatting, it's having a conversation with your mind, Heavenly Father. We can pray. We're entering um, a period of Lent, Starting this Wednesday. Lent is for six weeks leading up to Easter. I want to encourage and challenge all of us as a church. Mondays, 
Let's pray every single Monday. Make time in your calendar to pray every single Monday. At whatever time of the day, whenever you've got 10 minutes, some of you 15 minutes, some of you 5 minutes, some of you an hour, pray. There'll be prayer going on here in the mornings from 10.30 for an hour. But if you can't get here, just pray wherever you're at. Let's make Monday a day of prayer where we're going to pray. We can give some different prayer requests of things to pray into. But prayer changes things. And so ultimately, prayer changes you because you rely on God. Also, we can become more dependent and, or interdependent on other people as we meet in groups. And we've heard a lot this morning about life groups and the men's ministry called Momentum and women's ministry called Flourish that's starting. And it's going to be great. They're not just opportunities to get together women and have cakes. It's a get chance to get together, get to know each other, and learn about God and pray together. It's great. It's an interdependence on each other and dependence upon God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I need to humble myself. God's challenging us this morning. We all need to humble ourselves. Maybe there's an area that God's highlighting today in your, th- in your mind right now. You're thinking, yeah, there's that area. <laughs> there's that area. Humble yourself. Give God permission to change you and to help you. He will. Maybe we're here today and we're not yet a Christian. Maybe you need to make the, the greatest thing that could ever be, which is making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Time is gone. But God wants us to humble ourselves. Empty ourselves of our very best and ask God to help make our lives a success as he intended. Let's pray. This is the... I'm going to... I'm going to do a, a challenge right now because I can't get away from it. And th- this first attitude, the poor in spirit, depends upon God. Every, uh, all, uh, all, other, the, all the other seven attitudes are based on this. This is the foundation. Get this right and everything else is building blocks upon this one. And as I've been speaking today, I don't know your personal situations. You do. And I'm going to simply invite you to respond, not to me, but to God. And if you feel that there's an area of your life that you just want to say, God, I want to humble myself, teach me your way. It might be the whole of your life. It might be an aspect of your life. There might be an attitude that's occurring. You say, God, help me not to react like that. I'm going to invite you, just before God, who's just watching and listening right now, and he's rooting you on. He's cheering us on. He wants the best for our lives. He wants us to be the best man, woman, husband, wife, son, daughter that we can be. But it requires change. If you want to say, God, I want to humble myself right now. I'm just going to invite you, just right now, in this simple moment, just to stand to your feet where you are. I'm not going to call you forward, but let's stand to your feet. We're going to pray. 
We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org. 